Welcome to GrocerCast, a production of the Wisconsin Grocers Association, and I'm Brandon Scholes, president of the WGA. Thank you for joining us. This program is a member benefit for the WGA's retail, warehouse, and allied members. GrocerCast is produced to provide WGA members with insight to the different components of the grocery industry, consumer, industry trends, category insight, and more. In addition to the industry program with Leslie Sarazen, president and CEO of FMI Food Industry Association, we'll feature a member profile in the second half of the show with Brandon Sosinski, owner of two Piggly Weekly stores in Coinet and Partyville. GrocerCast is produced by the WGA's marketing coordinator, Brittany Knudsen. Today, we're joined by Leslie Saracen, President and CEO of FMI, the Food Industry Association. The WGA's GrocerCast is sponsored by Zone Mechanical North. Zone Mechanical North is the grocery industry's commercial and industrial refrigeration, HVAC, and EMS contractor. We specialize in grocery store and warehouse refrigeration systems with coverage around the state with our two locations in Franklin and Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Hi, I'm Deb Yerkes, Business Manager at Zone Mechanical North, and also a proud member of the WGA Board of Directors. Zone Mechanical North was built on creating partnerships with grocers, and it's important to us to give back to the community and the industry. Zone Mechanical North is your trusted partner, and we're here to help our WGA members. Hello, I'm Robert Wilson, Service Manager for Zone Mechanical North. I'm here to help explain what's going on with your refrigeration and HVAC systems. Let Zone Mechanical North be your partner to set up a preventive maintenance program to extend the life of your capital assets. These include your refrigeration compressors, rooftop condensers, refrigerant oil levels, refrigerant filters, store air conditioning, store heating, evaporator coils, and more. Give Zone Mechanical North a call. Let us know how we can help from setting up a preventive maintenance program to, to providing a second quote on any maintenance fixes. We can also quote equipment replacements. Leslie Sarazen, President and CEO of FMI, the Food Industry Association. Many thanks for joining us today. FMI and the WGA have partnered together for decades. When I joined the Wisconsin Grocers Association 23 years ago, FMI was one of my first calls because I really needed help. And since that time, FMI has come a long way. Before we get into FMI, the Food Industry Association, Leslie, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you landed there. Well, thank you, Brandon, so much for allowing me to be with you today. It's a pleasure to have this chat with you, um, especially because of the long history of co collaboration between our two organizations. I actually grew up in South Central Kentucky in a little town called Glasgow, uh, a town of about 14,000 people and have um, had a wonderful career in the food industry uh, purely by accident. I, I don't think I even knew much about the food industry or frankly cared much about it until I graduated from law school in Southern California and was looking for a job and discovered that there was a job that seemed pretty perfect for me. I was very interested in international trade. I speak Spanish pretty fluently and wanted to stay engaged with Latin America and the things that were going on down there between the US and Latin America from business perspectives. So I took a job in an international seafood importing company. I worked there for a couple of years and frankly just fell in love with the food industry. Unfortunately, I decided I was never gonna be a Valley girl. And so Southern California was probably not the best place for me. So I decided to move back East and move to the Washington DC area. 
I went to work again in the food industry for trade associations. Sort of like the way I went to work in the food industry without knowing much about it. That's kind of what happened when I went to work for an association. I didn't really understand it as well either. But I worked in uh, an association in the food industry in Washington handling the government relations activities. And over time, decided that this was a career path that I thought I could really enjoy. So um, several years later, I moved into association management in another association in the food industry. And then about 13 years ago, joined FMI as president and CEO. It has been a wonderful career. And I thank God every day for the opportunity to have gone to that international seafood importing company to really find my passion. Uh, Leslie, you and I have a kind of similar path. When I started the association, I had no experience in the grocery industry other than the fact that I like groceries. So fortunately, FMI was there to help me along. Uh, and over the years, as I said, you've, uh, you've been a great, strong supporter of the WGA and our members. Tell us a little bit about what uh, the association is focused on now and then kind of what's your long range focus that you've set for the next few years? Absolutely. Brandon, you'll remember that um, a couple of years ago, we began to really consider at FMI what our longer term strategy was going to be. And over a period of time, we began to reposition the organization. It was during this repositioning that we began to broaden our focus to include a much wider breadth of the food marketplace, rather than focusing uh, fairly exclusively on the retail and wholesale sectors of the business. We changed our governance structure and invited parity in the, the board of directors um, so that we now include product suppliers in our governance structure and in lots of the decision-making and the, the uh, operations of our organization. We did this um, after initiating about a six to eight month uh, external interview process so that we could better understand and harness the value that we provide to members. Um, and what we learned in that process was that our name, which of course had been FMI, but FMI stood for Food Marketing Institute, we learned that there was a lot of equity in FMI, but most people had no idea what Food Marketing Institute meant. Um, there were a lot of people who didn't even know that's what FMI stood for. So we learned that we needed a stronger tagline to help support who we are and what we do on behalf of the industry. So our new tagline, which you've referenced a couple of times uh, during this conversation, is Food Industry Association. We now are using that as a descriptive moniker uh, with our members and with various stakeholder audiences so that it can be more clear who we are and who we represent. We also scrutinized pretty carefully our role in the food industry to determine where we truly add value. So in addition to supporting our growing food retailer and wholesaler audiences, along with some 12,000 retail pharmacies, we now more broadly embrace and support the operations and supply chains of food suppliers across the country. Our long range focus has really been to work toward the overall progress of the food industry through three particular areas, and those are advocacy, collaboration, and education. Next year, FMI will celebrate 45 years as an organization, although, as you know, our history goes much further back, more than 75 years, back to the days of King Cullen in the 1930s. So we have a long, proud history and a, and a, uh, a period of 
evolution that we've gone through in recent years that has been very gratifying, I think, for all of us who've, who've worked on it. Leslie, we all went through some very dramatic times during the COVID pandemic and still going through some of it. And while grocers were running full speed, um, what were some of the highlights of the things that FMI, the Food Industry Association, did to support grocers across the country? And part two on that is, what were some of the lessons learned from those efforts that's, that has carried over into 2021 for you? Well, clearly the last 16 months have been, you know, I hate, I hate this word, we've used it so much, but certainly unprecedented. Uh, never in my career could I have imagined that this industry would have gone through what it's gone through over the past year and a half. Throughout this period, I think it's fair to say that FMI maintained its role as a critical advocate for the food industry. Uh, we did this throughout the pandemic and we're, we continue to do it today. And I think what we can say about this period is that together, collectively, we were able to keep the country fed. It wasn't always easy and it wasn't always pretty, but I think we have been wildly successful. And who could have ever imagined that um, people today would actually have some concept of what the food chain is. Um, I don't think anybody ever really probably thought much about the supply chain in the food industry, but now because of what we've been through, I think all of us have a, a much uh, better understanding of what happens in this industry. And I think that's good for all of us. Our advocacy efforts really helped facilitate a much less restrictive regulatory environment for food retailers across the US. And that was very important as we went through this process because we all had to make changes very quickly. As we all know, the regulatory environment doesn't usually make changes very quickly. So being able to accomplish that was quite important. And our education and awareness campaigns really awakened industry stakeholders and policymakers to the unique issues that the food industry was facing, as well as, as some of the issues the pharmacy sector was facing. As we think specifically about some of this, uh, clearly health and safety was job one throughout the entire distribution chain. Um, in total, our industry invested more than $850 million on personal protective equipment and safety expenses. About $2 billion was spent in increased cleaning and sanitation. Um, that included both internal hires and relationships with external providers to help provide this service. And more than $400 million on cleaning and sanitation products. So clearly we were very focused throughout this process on health and safety. We were also very focused on maintaining our existing supply chain. We worked with federal governments, state governments and municipalities to try to get some, some of the rules waived that were uh, inhibitors to our being able uh, to undertake the commerce that was needed to move as efficiently as possible and get products where they needed to be when they needed to be. We did things like worked on getting suspension of hours of service for drivers. Um, changes and flexibility with truck heights and weights, um, flexibility with licensing requirements, packaging restrictions, and even hours of delivery at uh, warehouse facilities and for direct uh, store deliveries as well. So this flexibility in the supply chain was an, a second important part of it. A really important part also was the critical infrastructure designation that was given to the food industry and the role of essential workers that was given to those who work in the, the food industry, particularly for those trying to work in the retail stores and keep the stores open. 
this is what truly made the movement of commerce possible. Without those individuals, I don't know how we would have ever gotten anything accomplished. Um, this group of people who were identified as essential had to be credentialed in this process. Um, it made it a little bit more complex, but it was certainly important that those individuals had the, uh, the documentation to demonstrate that uh, when there were shutdowns around the country, they had the right and the responsibility to be, to be out and about, and that their, their vehicles had the flexibility to be out and about. Um, so without that, I think we would have had many more challenges than we did face. Um, the trucking and transportation waivers proved critical to our success. Um, our supply chains cannot operate their best no matter what the situation is, unless we are able to continue to ensure that our various forms of freight transportation remain as open and unhindered as possible. And we were able, I think, to, um, to the extent we were allowed, we were able to achieve a lot in that area. You know, you can't, I think, in this context, um, overestimate the importance of frequent and transparent communication um, within the industry and with the industry and outside stakeholders. So the communications efforts that FMI and many of the organizations engaged in representing the industry were able to accomplish with governments, both at the, at the uh, federal level, at the state level, at the local level, um, all of that had an extraordinary impact on our ability to keep the country fed for these many months. Um, and then when we think about the challenges that uh, families faced in receiving the benefits that they needed to keep their families fed, um, we worked ex extremely closely with USDA on the SNAP program, on uh, expanding EBT opportunities throughout the states, um, making sure that PEBT uh, benefits were available. And that work goes on today um, as we think about, uh, you know, the fact that many children were not able to be in school and get school meals. These are all really important issues that we were able to work collectively on to try to, uh, to, try to help them with. Um, I think the from a consumer perspective, the shakeup in the food retail supply chains and operations that were caused by this global pandemic really left us with four key takeaways that were outlined in our US Grocery Shopper Trends Report. Um, first is the rise in commerce and e-commerce e and omni-channel shopping. Um, you know, we accomplished on that front in about six months what we had project projected would take about six years to achieve. Uh, so tremendous growth and opportunity in that area. Uh, second is shifts in the shopper's relationship with the kitchen. You know, those of us who, who knew how to cook were reminded of that fact throughout the pandemic. And those of us who really didn't know how to cook uh, got an awful lot of education cooking front. Uh, and at long term, that's going to be a good thing, I think, for all of us. Third was the customer's deepening interest in food as medicine. And then finally, the growing consumer attention to key social justice issues. So these are the types of things that, that we think are coming out of the pandemic that became important to us during this time and the things that we'll be focused on as we move forward. We're talking with Leslie Saracen, President and CEO of FMI, the Food Industry Association. The WGA's GrocerCast is sponsored by Zone Mechanical North. Leslie, you recently announced the 2021 Health and Wellbeing Initiative 
Tell us a little bit about that and how it impacts grocers. This is an important issue, uh, I think, for the industry at large and certainly has become quite important at FMI. Uh, the industry, I mentioned a minute ago that one of the things that came out of our shopper trends this year was the customers deepening interest in food as medicine. To support the food industry in responding to our consumer needs in this area, FMI has developed a robust health and well-being agenda that includes several different things that are becoming to fruition uh, actually this summer. First is our Power of Health and Well-Being uh, research study. That was just released earlier this month, and that study examines the emerging consumer health and well-being trends and sets the stage for future innovation so that uh, those in the industry who are interested in focus focusing in this area have an opportunity to do a little bit more in-depth study of the, the subject. The second is a report called Retail Contributions to Health and Well-Being. This information will be released in July, and it takes a look at health and well-being initiatives and go-to-market strategies in the food industry, again, designed to help support the industry as they make decisions about their uh, next steps in this area. And then we have a document called Food as Medicine that's going to be released in August. It's a collaboration funded by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Foundation. And the report examines both consumer insights and industry operations efforts, highlighting opportunities to leverage food for health in retail programs. Again, an attempt to try to deepen retailers' understanding of this entire genre of issues um, and to work closely throughout the industry to make those uh, come to life in their operations. Um, FMI is also contributing insight and expertise to an important new resource that's being led again by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Foundation on food as medicine retail programs. Um, this will engage in key training and professional development opportunities for registered dietitians and nutritionists, particularly those who work within the food industry. So we believe this um, renewed focus on health and well-being is a natural extension of the conversation that many of us are already having in this area and have been for some time. Um, we are doing our best to support health and well-being by helping to facilitate yearly vaccination efforts at grocery stores and pharmacies. I wasn't even aware of this until the pandemic began and we began to talk about vaccinations for COVID-19, but 40% of flu shots are administered in either a grocery store or an in-store pharmacy. Because they have this expertise, it's made them the absolutely appropriate and perfect place for continuing this focus on health and uh, in this context, vaccination processes. So we really believe that we're part of the solution to this administration's ongoing effort to bring both herd immunity to the country and also to support economic recovery in the longer term. Leslie, in Wisconsin, many of our members list the government affairs work uh, we do at the state capitol as one of the main reasons they belong to the WGA. FMI, the Food Industry Association, plays a major role in government affairs in Congress and with federal regulatory agencies uh, led by Jennifer Hatcher and her team. 
share with us how you position the association to deal with this very important effort on behalf of grocers. You know, it's interesting, Brandon, to hear you say that um, your members list the work you do at the state capitol as one of the, the main reasons they belong to WGA. In fact, when we ask FMI members why they belong to FMI, many of them also say that our work in the public policy arena is one of the main benefits that they value uh, from their FMI membership. We've been a key player in advocating for the needs of the food industry on Capitol Hill and in the regulatory agencies, certainly at the federal level, and to some extent in uh, state and local governments across the country as well. We take tremendous pride in the strong relationships we forged with many constituencies in this area. We obviously work very closely with Capitol Hill offices, with members of Congress, uh, with the committees on Capitol Hill, and of course, agencies that are primary regulators of this business like FDA and USDA, EPA, and the list of acronym acronyms goes on and on. But we also are very proud of the relationships we forged with state associations throughout the country, because what we try to do is uh, use the work that we do at the federal level um, to complement and amplify the issues that are affecting state and local governments. And one of our, our main focuses in doing this is that we want to learn from the state associations what's happening in these local uh, conversations so that some of the more onerous issues that are being addressed there don't become uh, those that we have to deal with at the federal level uh, and try to avoid that way having federal battles on some of those issues. I think one of the things that as an example that we have uh, worked on this most recently uh, was to respond to legislative challenges surrounding issues related to so-called hazard pay. Uh, these are proposals that, that came up predominantly in California, Washington State and uh, elsewhere in the West. And what we tried to do was embrace the opportunity to shape the narrative on a, on a broad scale um, across multiple audiences. What we found was that the media coverage on these issues failed to note the significant work and the significant steps that food retailers have taken on their own to keep their workers safe and to recognize the heroism that many of these workers have displayed throughout the pandemic by giving them higher pay and bonuses throughout the pandemic. None of this work got any intention at all uh, when the discussions were had about uh, so-called hazard pay in, in these states and localities. So our approach was twofold. One was to lay a foundation to help shape the narrative. And two was to help advocate our position to various audiences. We will certainly continue to reinforce the messages that we have uh, brought about regarding the investments uh, to people, process, technology, and the communities we serve as we face uh, future legislative challenges such as the PRO Act and other things that we're looking at on Capitol Hill. We've done similar work with DIR reform. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, our work with PEBT in the states. So our public policy work is something that we value uh, greatly. We put a lot of our resources and our, our attention to, 
And we are particularly grateful to have the opportunity to work with organizations like WGA to achieve things together. Leslie, I, I really appreciate the U.S. Grocery Shopper Trends 2021 report that you produced. There, there's so much information in it. It's just awesome. And you've already mentioned some of the key components of that report uh, that you recently rolled out. Uh, what else about the, the Shopper Trends uh, is, is highlighted in the report? Well, as you know, Brandon, Shopper Trends is one of our, our major research projects each year. And it's a wonderful platform through which we're able to evaluate year over year how the industry is changing and shifting. One of the things that I think came out of this year's study that is extremely interesting is the fact that we have emerged into a new era, era of at-home meals. Um, and frankly, we expect many of these trends to continue as we move forward into the post-pandemic environment. What we know is that shoppers have experienced the economic, the health, and the family connectedness benefits of family meals. And this is something that FMI, through the FMI Foundation, has been very focused on for five or six years. Uh, what the data shows us this year is there's an increase in the number of people who say family meals are important to them. Um, we're at 61% now, which is up 6% from last year. And coupled with the number who have improved their food preparation skills at 70%, we think will mean more meals at home as we go forward. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think there's a, been this projection that everyone who has been uh, relegated to being home for so long would jump at the chance to be out and, and have the opportunity to eat in restaurants again. And while that may be true to some degree, I also think that after the, the new opportunity and the newness wears off a bit, what we're going to find is that we've really enjoyed being able to eat at home more frequently. And the connectedness that we have with our families is important. And then of course, there are many of us in society who will need to eat at home more frequently for economic reasons. So uh, I think we can look forward to continued opportunities in the grocery sector uh, for meeting this need that our customers are gonna have to eat at home. One of the things that we'll focus on here at the Wisconsin Grocers Association is the generational change in the industry and the second and third generations who are taking over the business. Um, we, in our upcoming magazine, will have a, a profile on what we call rising stars in the industry. And, and as I mentioned earlier, we'll be talking to one of our younger members, Brandon Sosinski, runs a couple of grocery stores. What advice do you have, Leslie, that you would give to those who are coming into the business, taking over the business, and the challenges that will present themselves in the years to come? You know, this is always an interesting question for me and one that I, I give a lot of thought to because I think it's important. Um, as I look back through my career, I was given advice uh, after being in Washington for about a decade that I needed to determine whether I wanted to be a lobbyist, a food industry lobbyist, or whether I wanted to be an, an association executive. And I have never been more grateful for that advice because the two are quite different. They're complementary to each other, of course, but they're quite different paths. And I was so glad that someone had advised me of that because it really made a difference in the decisions I made 
on how I moved forward. I obviously chose that to be an association executive and I also uh, had the good fortune to be able to continue to dabble in food industry lobbying as well. But I think the important part of the advice is that each of us has to decide what our long-term long goal is. And if what we're doing at this point in our careers is moving us closer to that goal. I think what I discovered was that what I was doing wasn't necessarily gonna help me achieve the longer term goal. And so I had to make some changes in my tra trajectory to align more with the desired end goal. And I think that's good advice across the board. The second thing I would consider for someone who is in particularly in moving into a, a grocery role or a food industry role is to think about the growing attention to some of the key social justice issues that we have in our society today and how this new trend will affect the future of the food industry because I believe strenuously that it will affect the future of the food industry. What we know from our research is that 47% of all consumers say they want to eat food prepared in an ethical way. And that number jumps to 64% among Gen Zers and millennials, who of course are the future customers of this industry. So I think it's important as we think about moving forward that we begin to have more dialogue within our companies and among our food retailers and others in the industry to explore how we can effectively communicate what's being done in this industry to address social and environmental concerns. Much is already being done. I just think we sometimes don't do uh, as good a job as we should of talking about the things that we do to enhance society. And I think the extent to which we continue to talk about it and then communicate about it is gonna have a tremendous impact on the success of the industry going forward. Leslie Saris, thank you again for joining us on the WGA's GrocerCast and many thanks to you and your team at FMI, Food Industry Association, for the work that you do in the grocery industry. Many thanks again for the support from Zone Mechanical North and their work with grocers across the state. We look forward to WGA members joining us for our next segment with Brandon Sosinski, the owner and operator of two Bigly Wiggly stores at Poinette and Partyville. Zone Mechanical North is your one-stop shop for full installation, service, sales, and preventative maintenance of all your refrigeration and HVAC equipment. In the South, please contact Zone Mechanical North in our Franklin location at 262-347-4180. And new in 2021 is our Northern Eau Claire division. Phone number is 715-450-0246. Zone Mechanical North has the ability to help WGA members throughout the entire state of Wisconsin. Welcome back to the WGA's Grocer Cast. We want to thank Leslie Sarazen the president and CEO of FMI, Food Industry Association, for joining us in the first part of the show. Very informative in terms of what FMI does for grocers across the country and their partnership with the WGA. Part two, we welcome Brandon Sosinski, the owner of two Piggly Weekly stores, one in Poinette and one in Partyville. And we also want to thank Zone Mechanical North uh, for being our sponsor in the show today. So Brandon, welcome. And to kick it off, 
uh, we don't want to confuse people here because we both have the same name and with a name like Brandon, that doesn't, you know, that's, it's a little odd, but that being said, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you got into the, into the grocery biz. Hey, Brandon. Yeah. Thanks for having me today. You guys in the WGA, uh, a little bit about myself. I started my grocery business uh, back in 2008 is when I started at uh, Sherm's Piggly Wiggly in Princeton, Wisconsin, uh, starting off as a bag boy cleaning the bathrooms and slowly worked my way into the meat department, uh, ordering procedures, night manager, inventory. And I was there 2008 to 2013, which was pretty much my uh, middle school, high school days and uh, a year or so out of high school. Uh, from there, I went as a merchandiser for Coca-Cola for a year and a half, working in the uh, Mid-Valley, uh, building displays and uh, stocking product. And that's when I was uh, merchandising at the Marcusan Piggly Wiggly store. And uh, they, they offered me a job there. And uh, I started there, uh, I believe it was December of 2014. And uh, from there is, is when I was offered my first uh, store, which was a Piggly Wiggly store, as you stated, uh, March of 2019, I was offered the Poinette store. Uh, I took that over March 24th of 2019 and uh, currently operating that store. And then just most recently, December 27th of 2020, I purchased the Partyville Piggly Wiggly store. Uh, so now I, I have the two stores that are uh, operating day-to-day uh, -day basis. For those who don't know you, um, you're 28 years old. And as you just said, now you, you own two stores. You're, you know, most of your entire working career has been in the grocery biz. So first, what's it like being your age, 28 years old, and in what's arguably an industry that's uh, dominated by I'm going to say this politely, people much older than you. Uh, and then kind of second, walk us through some of the challenges that you have running two stores as an owner. Owning, owning a couple stores at my age, it's fun. We have a lot of fun and uh, obviously challenging all at the same, all at the same time. Uh, you know, I look forward to, uh, you know, challenge every day. It's always something different in the grocery business, it seems. Um, but, you know, even when I, when I took over the, the point at store back in 19 and now most recently the Partyville store. Um, I have a very good staff in, in both stores, which I would say makes the day-to-day -day operations go smoothly. I may not have quite the experience as everyone being, being younger, but you know, I have some good, good people to, to turn to when, when help is needed. And like I said, I, you know, I, I got some good staff, some people that have been in the business for, you know, 20, 25 years at, at my stores. Um, you know, it's a seven day a week, week job. And I kind of like that about it. Uh, it keeps me on my toes for working in, in, in both stores. I, I try to, uh, I try to split my time, you know, equally, if I can working in between the two stores, um, obviously that, that doesn't always happen. You know, there's days I plan to be in Partyville all day and, uh, have a call in or, or something happens down in point net just like this past Saturday. And I was down uh, working produce all day, um, you know, but, but otherwise I split my time as much as I can. And uh, 
you know, pretty much work six, seven days a week and, and do whatever needs to be done to uh, get the job done and, and keep the stores running smoothly. Brandon, uh, grocers, and I guess for that fact, almost every business that, you know, you see on Main Street and across the state is in this very odd situation of not having uh, available workforce. Um, people who have yet to come back into the workforce after um, having their jobs um, either shut down or their businesses shut down and they've been at home and receiving you know, unemployment benefits. Now that things are starting to open up, the expectation was that we would see, well, even, even during the pandemic, you'd see people be available to come work. But what's happened is, is that's not the case. And, and just about everybody is having workforce uh, challenges, not enough people that, that want to come work. How have you addressed that in, in your stores? Yeah, I've, uh, I, I've, I've noticed that, you know, uh, stopping in different uh, businesses, not even like you said, in the, in the, in the, not just grocery stores, but any other businesses, uh, help wanted signs all over. Um, I would say us at the two stores here, um, I'd, you know, help issues. Yes. And no, it kind of goes in, in stretches. I would say, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, I, I, I lost between the two stores. I lost four workers. Uh, but in that same week I, I hired four workers. Uh, I guess that'd be classified as a win. Uh, uh, now, um, you know, it seems like we are slowly getting a few more, uh, applications turned in and and you know i guess we just try to offer uh you know good good fun uh workplace for our employees and uh try to take good care of them and, and meet their needs as well and uh like i said as, as of right now we you know we're, we're sitting okay but you know you it it changes changes by the day and when you look around there there's a lot of uh, you know businesses that you can see that are are struggling for for help. We're talking with Brandon Sosinski, owner of two Piggly Wiggly stores in Poinette Partyville. You know we're we're in the post pandemic period, I guess is the fancy name for it, and we hear a lot about customers are starting to return to some of their previous shopping patterns. You know, back to the two or three times a week instead of one big trip. Um, and we, we heard earlier from Leslie Saracen at the at FMI, the Food Industry Association, that meal preparation and family meals, according to their U.S. grocery store shopper research, uh, is, is very strong. And it continues to be a priority for, for customers. What sort of things do you hear from your customers as things now start to open up a little bit? Yeah, I, I would say uh, customers are... Correct. Coming into the store more than just one time a week with, uh, you know, with with big baskets uh, sizes like they were. Um, it, it seems like slowly but surely everyone is uh, starting to try to get back to uh, somewhat of a normal, um, you know, coming in the store, like you said, uh, you know, maybe even, you know, five times a week, whatever it might be, a few things here, a few things there. Um, you know, but. I, I still say, yeah, people are, are still, they're, they're starting to uh, go out to dinner more. You know, I, I have seen that restaurants are starting to get busy more and stuff, but, but there's still the fair share of people that are doing their, you know, all their cooking from home. Brandon, like, like all grocers, 
uh, you're involved in the communities that, that you have your stores. What, uh, what are some of the community projects or charitable efforts that you have done and are doing uh, this year? Well, we have done, you know, obviously, you know, some roundups and different stuff, you know, in the past for groups and organizations uh, here in, in Poinette, we uh, work closely with the McKenzie Center, uh, food pantries, uh, blessings in a backpack uh, during the school year, um, getting them, them items. Um, any, any sporting groups, that was my, my big focus when I first got down to Poinette when I bought the store and the same in Partyville now was, you know, any groups or organizations that are, you know, looking for a donation or, uh, you know, a sponsorship help with something. I, I try to do something for them. It might not be, you know, a big amount always, but I try and do uh, something. Uh, one of the, the bigger events that we have done in Poinette and I will, uh, you know, we, we quit doing it because of COVID last year, but we'll start doing it in both stores again is a one day sale, um, in November for the police department. And then in uh, April, I think we will look at doing a one day sale for the fire department. And uh, pretty much just in that one day, we will donate a certain percentage of our gross sales to those, uh, to those departments, uh, you know, for their, their hard work that they put into our communities. Um, so those are a couple things that we do here at, uh, at our two Piggly Wiggly stores. Well, I was going to say you're off to a great start, but uh, you've been in the industry since your, your starting working days. Uh, Brandon, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you, Brandon, and uh, you know, WGA for having me today. And you know, thank you for everything that you, know, you guys do for us grocery stores. Uh, you know, we appreciate you every day, uh, especially during COVID. You guys were, you know, amazing um, sending out emails with uh, daily useful information regards to all the COVID related issues and, uh, and a special thanks to Cheryl. I, I've kind of got to know Cheryl. She's from, uh, you know, the Poinette area and I kind of got to know her a little bit and uh, she was pretty much my, my go-to person. Uh, I'd send her text messages, you know, emails, phone calls, uh, you know, any time of the day she would, uh, always have an answer for me within a few minutes or if she didn't have an answer she would uh look into it and uh, figure it out uh you know she was she was amazing and did a great job uh so thank you guys again for for all you do for us thanks for being with us today brandon sosinski the 28 year old owner of two piggly weekly stores in point at partyville and our thanks to our sponsor zone mechanical north and to you the wga members for joining us today Thank you.